Exodus 15, um, verse 22. Uh, We're going to be reading that and reading all of uh, Exodus uh, 16 as well. Um, Someone said, oh, we have a marathon today. Uh, And uh, it's not my goal, again, uh, to keep us here all day, just most of it. Um, That's a joke. But um, but to th- these, as you will, as we read, if you haven't read ahead, you'll see that these are these two um, instances are very related, um, and there's, there's a, 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 a continuing theme um, in this text. Um, and so, um, with that said, um, we, you know we move from uh, just in verse in the first part of chapter 15 of song of worship of praising God for his victory over the Egyptians and not just you know if you're unfamiliar with the story I'm sure you were here it's not it was a supernatural victory wasn't it it was a victory that no one else could take credit for it it was not you know it's there's no other way it wasn't that well Israel just had a just timed that title, you know, natural event just right <laughs> and figured out when to be there and how to get... No, I mean, this was so amazing, so counter to, to nature and how it normally works. It, it can only be the work of the Creator God who, who Himself, you know, declared through, through His Word that dry land come forth out of the sea. And, and again, he, he shows up in, as Creator and creates a path. Creates dry land where there was not and makes a way of escape. And then brings about His just judgment on the enemies of, his, of Him and His people. And, all, and then the only thing to do is just to praise God, to sing. It's the first hymn. It's the first song of praise. And, and then the men sing. And then the women sing. And everyone's singing and rejoicing. And then it doesn't last. <laughs> and that's where we, we come. We come to... You would think, like, surely how many... How long will they talk? How long will they rejoice? How long will it... And the singing turns into grumbling. And we're going to read this. And not it's not going to be a sermon that's going to say, look how much better we are than these people. Look how well we get it. Shame on them. This is a picture of you and me. So, there's, it's going to be convicting, but it's also going to be encouraging. We're not, it's not just you that'll get through here, sing the final hymn, and then in the car ride, find something to complain about. And I'm talking about me too. So we need to be confronted on that and see that. And it's clearly on display for us this morning in this text. So let's, uh, let's pray again and then read God's Word together. Lord God, we thank You that You are a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God of forgiveness, a God who provides, a God who is faithful when we are faithless. Um, Lord, convict us of our faithlessness. Convict us of our grumbling against You and encourage us in the abundance of your provision. 
provision of what we need materially, provision of what we need spiritually, this the, the abundant provision of your love. Encourage us in that. Help me to rightly express that this morning. Give us ears to hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, verse 22 of chapter 15. Then, this is after the singing, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Marah, which means bitter. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, to Yahweh, and Yahweh showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of, your, of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elim, Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. They set out from Elim, and then they and all of the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have bought, brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to send, about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, At the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the congregation, the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud, and the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel, and he said, say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can eat. You shall, take an, uh, you shall each take an omer, according to the number of the persons that is each of you has in his tent. 
And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less, because their households were different, num- different in number. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept to the morning. So they laid, aside till mor- they laid it aside till morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink. There were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, when the, when, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather. But they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name Manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. The Lord commanded Moses, So Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is the tenth part of an ephah, which is about half a gallon. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, Three things I want us to see as we look through this text. First, we're going to focus on the grumbling of Israel, the grumbling by Israel. Second, the testing of Israel. And thirdly, the resting for Israel. First, let's look at the grumbling. Um, you know, I, I'm guilty of when I was you know, younger and I read this passage when I was a young person and hadn't really gone through a whole lot of struggles. I had it pretty good, had it good growing up. And I remember reading this and going, how can these people go from this Red Sea experience to, what's wrong with God, in three days? And um, when I was in my, you know, teenager and my early 20s, I was was, um, a bit of a Pharisee, I would say. But I was still in that phase of looking to my own works or the, 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 you know, that I didn't do certain bad things to make me feel good about myself. To, and, 
you know, we're guilty of that. We're guilty of looking at these people and going, how, how could they do that? How, how could they possibly be so, so forgetful? But let's look at the situation. You know, it, we can kind of read over it and see like, okay, this really wasn't that big a deal. But it was. There's a million plus people, more than a million people, and they've gone three days out into the wilderness, and there's, there's no water. And you know, and if you know anything about survival, once you get, if you have three days without water, and you know that the closest place for water is three days back, then you're in trouble. Right? There, the, 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 the situation was actually dire, okay, humanly speaking. And I think we forget that sometimes. We look at that and go, well, they should have just known. But if you're going three days and you finally come to a water source and you come up on it and it's poisonous or bitter and you can't drink it, you know, put yourself in that situation. You'd be panicked. And they were. And they complained. They complained. Um, and in this first encounter in, in 15 about the water, they complain. They look, we're out here. The, the situation is real. It's dire. What are we going to do? And then they're complaining, what, against Moses. You know, they, they look around. Who's in charge? <laughs> the situation is bad. So let's find someone to blame. Who's running this endeavor? Who's, who's in charge of this march? Moses, what are you doing? Why did you do this? Why did you bring us here? And Moses, again, just going where the cloud takes him, you know, that's again what's happening. The Lord's going before them and he cries out, Lord, what are, what are we supposed to do? You know, what, what, what's the answer here? And then we, we come to the, the, the next, you know, the next uh, scenario. And we, again, we're focusing on the grumbling by Israel. Again, the same thing happens, but again, it's on a grander scale. They, they've, they've, gotten, they've gotten water. God healed the water. God made the water uh, fit to drink. And then they move on to the next phase. Uh, again, some days later, they find themselves without food. And in the end, you know, it, it, and it, it just, instead of remembering God's provision of the water, actually, it, it, it gets bigger. They, it's not just, what are we going to drink? It's... It's not just the people, it says the whole assembly, the whole congregation of Israel is now complaining. There's not one person that's not grumbling. And now instead of, what are we going to drink? It's, I wish the Lord had just killed us. <laughs> it, got, it got worse, right? The scope of the grumbling expanded and the extent of the... Anger and frustration and, and worry just continue. And again, their, their grumbling was directed at who? Now it went from Moses to now Moses and Aaron. You know? It's not just one of them, it's, it's, it's both of them. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? And, and you have this... I kind of imagine, you know, you, you keep reading and you, and, you, and you see that eventually Moses, as he's responding, because, you know, why are you, why are you talking to me? Why are you grumbling at me? What, what do you think I can do? It's almost like, he, you know, you're sitting down with a therapist and he's going, maybe perhaps you're angry at someone else. <laughs> That's how I'm in my mind. Like, hmm, I think... 
you're actually angry not with me, but with what? God. And who's, who in here is good at complaining? Can you raise your hand? I'm pretty good at it. Um, I'm pretty good at seeing what's not and then concluding what can't be. I'm really good at that. Um, it's kind of like, you know, but I think it's kind of like, you know, going to a museum and instead of looking at the pictures, I'm looking at the wall in between and going, that's not impressive. You know, it's just white. You know, I can see what's not there. And um, that, that makes sense. It made sense in my head. Anyway, but I'm good at that. And, and, and I see that all the time. There's so much of life, and you can relate to this, that there's so many unanswered questions. There's so many things that I feel are, that I'm deficient in. There's so many things that the people around me may be deficient in. There are things that, that I, I can't see as, you know, I, you know, I'm this way. My kids are this way. We're this way. Uh, the money is this amount. Uh, I need it to be more. I can see all the negatives. And I find myself just churning up with anxiety and things that are not the way I want them to be. And just grumbling in my head, grumbling to other people, um, leading my wife in grumbling. That's not what I'm supposed to be doing. But I, I like to fool myself into thinking, well, I'm just venting about the situation or I'm just frustrated with this person in charge of whatever this part of my life is. But really, all of it is ultimately, I'm, I'm grumbling, I'm complaining to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm living not by faith, I'm living by sight. And that's what it is. That's what God's people are doing. They had just seen God come through in a, in a miraculous way. Something that they'd never seen. God did what they could never imagine Him doing. And then the very next hardship, the very next struggle, again, they just, instead of going, well, God can do what we can't see. God can do what we can't imagine. It's, well, we're all going to thirst to death. Okay, he makes he brings he provides the water. Then the next situation. Well, you know we've seen God make you know unclean, diseased water healthy and sweet and good, and we've seen God separate the waters and, and provide a way of escape. But ah, there's no food, and we um, grumble, and this grumbling by Israel is because, again, the, the situation is living by, um, by sight and not by faith. Trusting only what we can see with our eyes, what we can understand, what we can figure out on our own, and not looking to the Lord for help. And there's, they grumble, and they grumble, and they forget, and they again look to their own means and what's before them, and conclude that there's no answers, and that God must mean harm to them. They did it, we do it too. We struggle in this. The grumbling by Israel is really the, something that we should relate to. Not look at and condemn. We condemn it, we should be convicted by it because it's true in our own hearts. How quick we are to forget God's goodness, God's grace, God's provision. Materially and spiritually. But the second thing I want you to consider is the testing of Israel. What was the test of Israel? And you know, at first, when, I, when you think about this, they were tested. You think they were tested 
in their wanting. That the test was in their lack. But that's not it. Notice what it says. Look at, look at verse 25, halfway through 25 of, of, of chapter 15. He says... Um, There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there He tested them. And then, and then in, in verse 16, you see it in, ver, in, 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 in verse 4. It says, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. The test was not in their lacking. The test comes in the provision. Isn't that interesting? How are you going to see, how are you going to understand, how are you going to respond when God comes through? And, and, and you know, a test, you know, in order to test our teachers in here, you've you got to have a standard. You've got to have, you gotta have a, a, a standard by which to test your students. And the standard is these statutes, these laws. He says, I'm going to put a statute, a rule. And, and in... Um, in verse 26 of 15, there, there you find this statute, this rule. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in my eyes and give ear to my, His commandments and keep His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. And then the statute he gives later in this provision, the next provision of the bread and the quail is, is how are you going to use this provision given by God? And so first of all, just this is a freebie, you know... Um, there's laws, there are statutes, there are expectations before Sinai, before the Ten Commandments. God's always given, He's always been a God who's ruled and reigned and led and you look to Him for how to live. And, and so it's interesting, this comes before the law, uh, capital L given in uh, Mount Sinai. There's already statutes and commands. We've seen these in the Passover and how they're to remember and keep the Passover each year. But mainly what he's saying is, I, I want you, the statute, the rule is, will you look to me to lead you? Will you look to me to heal you? Will you look to me and trust me that I am with you, am leading you, and I'm going to get you home? That's really what the statute is. Will you love me with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? Will you, will you trust me to do right by you and leave it to me to do what you can't do. That's, that's really it. And the question is, the, the test is, will they trust and obey not so much in, in, in the lack but in the provision? And how do they do? <laughs> how does Israel do when, they, when God provides? You know, it's not that they feel... You know, it's not... The, the test isn't do you feel... The deficiencies of living in a broken world, it's how do you respond to God's provision to you in this world? And what do they do? God makes bitter water, diseased water, healthy and drinkable. And then what happens next? You know what happens next? They go to an oasis. They go to a 12 springs, not just a little... 
was a dirty pool that God healed in a miraculous way. Now they go to 12, this place with 12 springs and all these palm trees. This is a resort. Right? God makes them, you know, I'm going I'm to provide in your want. Here's my provision. Then he's going to take them to this naturally, just it's already there. They showed up and it's like, oh, this is great. And then he leads them away. And they forget again. They're struggling to pass the test. They, they're struggling to, to get and understand what is the purpose of the test. What is he, what's he trying to get them to do? What well, says it? He says, I want you to see that I am the Lord your God. I want you to acknowledge that and all that that means. I want you to know that I wasn't just the Lord your God that day by the sea. I'm not just the Lord your God at, at the waters of Mara, but I'm the Lord your God all the time. And I have you, and I'm going to keep you. And the test, they honestly, they, 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 they fail, don't they? They fail because what? What happened in between Mara and the, the needing bread, the being without food? They, were in, they experienced a little bit of paradise. And they just thought, oh, it's going to be easy. <laughs> And it's always, I can just live by sight. And it's always going to be there. And then the next time when they couldn't see how God was going to provide, they doubted and wished that God had killed them. (laughs) And wished they were back in slavery. Oh, the meat pots in Egypt. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's a weird phrase. They long for those meat pots. Anyway. But they, they failed. They failed the test. But here's the good news. And this is what makes the gospel so sweet. And this is, we're coming to our last point of this, this resting for Israel. God sets up situations. He gave them a statute. Trust me, listen to me, follow me. I want you to, to abide by my commands. To know that I will bring healing. Know that I will take care of you. Know that God will sustain you. And he provides manna out of heaven and quails. This huge feast. Quails in the evening, manna in the morning, and manna every day. Except for one day each week. When they fail, he still provides. You know that? It doesn't stop. You keep reading the story. When they need water, he's going to keep providing water. When, when, they, when they, that first week, when they go out and they get enough for the day, and he says, don't save it, and they go, I won't save a little bit. Some of us have, you know, some of us have leftovers from three weeks. I mean, you should clean your refrigerator if that's true. But we'll say, well, some of us are leftover people. You grew up that way. You don't throw away anything. You know, you'll sniff it each day and go, okay. And you put it back, you know. But imagine, you know, there was no way to have leftovers. Every day when they opened it up, it was worms and it was, it was spoiled. Nothing kept. Except for one day a week. But you notice they, when God gave them what they needed for the day, there were still some going, I better save some of this. Like, again, the testing was not in the lack. The testing was in the provision. I've got what I need for today, but I, I don't know if it'll be, if it'll be there tomorrow. But God said, I'm going to make sure that you have to go out tomorrow. That you have to live daily by my, and sustained by me each day because it's going to spoil. But, 
also know that you need rest. And I want you to know that I'm a God who's blessing you. And I'm a God who's keeping you. And on that, on that sixth day, on that Friday, you're going to go out and it's going to be double. You can get double and it'll keep. That makes no sense, right? You can't explain that logically. You can't explain, you can't explain manna on the ground. You can't explain this flake stuff on the ground. There's been some scientists that have tried to do that. Well, there's these little uh, aphids, and they produce this sugary substance, and God, you know, and then they gathered it up. I actually read that in commentary, and that sounds gross. Anyway, we eat honey, and that's kind of gross. But anyway, but but like that, they how? I mean, God, it's supernatural, uh, you know, provision, and and but it was given in a way that they could only think one day at a time and look to the Lord every day for their for their provision. He provided bread each day and provided rest once a week. And again, they failed. They failed. They, they, they kept some and it spoiled. And then they got double on, that, on the sixth day and then they went out the seventh. Why? What explains that? Why would, why would they do that? You've got enough. Because maybe there's more. Or maybe this won't be enough. Maybe this leftover from day six won't feed us day seven. I mean, you'll look again. But it wasn't there. It wasn't to be found. But even in that struggle, even in that testing, when they clearly didn't pass the test, they're still learning that God is their God, that the Lord is their God and their keeper, their healer. He still keeps providing. And that's the gospel. That's the beauty of it. God keeps His covenant. God keeps showing them week in, week out, I am for you. I am here for you. And so the testing... um, is for to the end of them knowing that God is that Yahweh is their God and keeper. He's their healer, he's their sustainer. And as we again, you sitting here going, I was sitting here going, you know, I looked at this passage like I, I grew up um, middle class, you know, a lot of us are middle class, upper middle class. You've probably never gone a day where you some of you may have, and if I, if you have, I'm sorry, but a lot of us have never gone a day or more than a day without eating. And so, like, is this really for us? Is this really to us? But the test comes not in the lack, but in the provision. And how we view it and how we see it. And we all, we've all been provided for. We all have. And the question is, how do you see it? Do you look at it and go, like they did that first day, and go, you know what? I don't think this is enough. Do we look at it and go, I don't think this is enough for... That I've, he's, God's provided enough for me to, to ever rest. And that brings us to the third point, the resting for Israel. You know, when we think about this, you know, this is again before the Mount Sinai, before the establishment of that command of keep the Sabbath, keep it holy. It's already there. It's already expected. Why? Because it goes back to, the, to creation itself. Like this is not just a... God says, you know what, I'm, I'm making this nation. Let me come up with some rules, some ideas, some thoughts. This is how to make it work. It goes, it's, it's rooted in who he is. And, it, and who he is is reflected in how he made all things. And he, he did everything and rested on the, seventh, on the seventh day. And so we're made in his image to rest. But so many of us think about it like Israel does. We think about the Sabbath day as God holding out on us. We look at it as restrictive, things we can't do. You ever done that? John Curd, who wrote a commentary on this, he said, you know, he taught seminary classes and he says, you know, when I, 
you know, when, I, when we come to this part of the text, a lot of my students, seminary students, I was one of them, struggle with, am I keeping the Sabbath holy? Am I actually creating time to rest? Am I, you know, he says, when he saw students actually working diligently on the first six days and actually taking a day off from their studies, their grades improved, their, their demeanor improved, their anxiety lowered. Because what they were doing, they were believing that God will sustain them and they didn't have to keep churning just to get by. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you need, you're made for a day of rest, a day of reflection, of resting in Jesus. It's not restrictive. It's not holding out. Look what God says. I'm giving you a day off. I'm giving you a day you don't have to go gather the food. I'm letting you do double, uh, gather double on one day so you can actually sit and be. And again, this is where Jesus gets the statement. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God says, I'm giving this to you, my people. And again, this was so counter to how they grew up in Egypt. Egypt, they worked every day as slaves. There was no day off. And he goes, I am not a slave master. I am your loving Lord and Father. You are my children. I'm going to give abundantly and you get a day to rest. We're going to get into, as we move into the, the commandments, how the Sabbath changed and how we view the Sabbath and how it's the first day of the week instead of the seventh. But why do, why do you struggle so to keep the Sabbath, to actually rest? Why do I struggle so to do that? It's because we really do think, we, do get, we get in the mindset just like them, if I don't do it, no one else will. I'm, I'm, I'm the only one looking out for me and my family. And I have to just keep churning and keep going. But God says, you can stop. You can rest. Because I'm the God that neither slumbers nor sleeps. I'm the God that's always at work. I'm actually the one that's giving you your daily bread. Acknowledge that. Rest in that. One day, look to me so that I can... Uh, rest. Some of you have jobs where you can't take the same day off every week. I encourage you to, to make time to rest and to acknowledge that God's at work. You don't have to. You know, it maybe can't be a whole day off. You know where you are in life right now, but just to take time to to stop and re- and reflect and know that God is the one who gives you what you need. He will come through for you. Physically, but it's not just a physical rest. It's a it's a spiritual rest. It's not just a, a physical provision. It's the spiritual provision. All of this does what? It points to the the rest, the ultimate rest, the ultimate provision is Christ Himself. We read that at the beginning of the of the text of the beginning of our worship that that Jesus is the true bread of life, and if we look at if we look at John 6 and just and keep reading as he in the same paragraph as he talked we read verses 35 through 40 in, in 47 through 51 he says um, he says this he says truly truly I say to you whoever believes has eternal life I am the bread of life your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died this is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the, for, for the life of the world is my flesh. 
as we think about this text and think about the ways we struggle, yes, in God's physical uh, provision, material provision, but we also, if you're honest, you're struggling to believe that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough not only to provide what's needed in this world, but to to provide the righteousness you need, the salvation that you need, that you're actually secure in His finished work. That, again, we, spiritually, we're looking, we're trying to do it on our own. We're living by, by sight and not by faith. But Jesus takes this event, Jesus takes these wars and says, no, that points to your need. As, as Israel needed to learn that Yahweh is their healer and their sustainer and their keeper, we, on this side of the cross, need to learn and look. Jesus is the bread. He is the bread of heaven. He is the one who's, who can quench our thirst. He is the only one. And we must look to Him and Him alone. And not to the other things of this world. If you look to Hebrews chapters 3 and 4, it talks about the rest that's promised. Talks about the Sabbath rest, but you know there's still still other days to come. You know, you get a Sabbath rest, but then you know, Monday's still coming. And 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 they talked about the rest to come when they get to the promised land and they get there, but was there real light, was there real rest? Was it a forever rest? No. But Jesus is the fulfillment of that as well. He's the true Sabbath because in Christ we do find peace and comfort, a peace that surpasses understanding here in this world, here in this fallen world, but he's the, we know that we will have ultimate rest when we are with him, looking at him face to face in the new heavens and the new earth. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. Those passages point to him and point to our tendency, our in our, as we struggle with our flesh, as we live in this tension of grumbling and complaining, does God really love me? Is He really the healer? Is He really the sustainer? Is He really the provider? Is He really the Savior of my soul? The prayer, as we look at this, is to realize we, we do this too. We, we live by sight and not by faith. And my prayer is that as, we, as our hearts begin to turn in on themselves, as we begin to grumble and look for the people, the situation, the, the person in charge, that we realize ultimately we're, we're complaining, we're believing the lie, the lie that goes back to the, the garden itself, that God is holding out on me and doesn't really love me, and He's forgotten about me. But the cross of Jesus Christ reminds us, no, no. He has provided all we need. He's given us Himself so that we may have life and have it life abundantly. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for the test, the testing that you put us through, even, even on, in this side of the cross. As, we, as you give us what we need and you sustain us, Lord, you, you remind us that, no, this, do we acknowledge that all good things come from you? Do we acknowledge that you uh, will give us our daily bread as we pray? Do we acknowledge that you will sustain us both physically, spiritually, all the, and see us all the way home to you, that you will finish the good work you began in us. Lord, we so quickly forget your love and your demonstration of love in our lives and in what we find here in the Scripture and in the Gospel itself. We forget, Lord, help us. 
continue to test us, continue to show us that we can trust you, we can obey you, we can look to you, for you will provide, you will meet us in our lacking, and you, Lord, help us to see your provision as we should, not as something to be worshipped, not as something to be um, made an idol of, but as an expression of your sustaining, faithful love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.